0: Welcome back to another episode of Carla Reads the Classics. Let's jump right in. The Money, Segment 3. I don't care what he says, George declared. We're going to stay right here. Right here, Henny stated. Gracie held. He hasn't got any right to interfere with us. Paul voiced the wonder of them all. Why do you think he feels the way he does? He's just old, said Gracie. Old people get that way, George said. That's it, Henny agreed. Joy burst out. I know. They turned to him. Gracie asked, What do you know? I know why he doesn't want us to go near his house. Indulgently, Henny asked, Why? Because he's got a million dollars hidden in his house. Joy looked about at them, with his wide blue eyes enthusiastic and triumphant in his knowledge and its revelation, they laughed at him. a million dollars, George scoffed. He hasn't got a million cents, Gracie said that's why he wants us to keep away from his house so much. Joey demanded. He just doesn't like children, Henny said reflectively, Paul said, "I don't think Joey's right, but he sure does want us." "'Not to go near his house. "'I mean, it does look as if he's kind of afraid of something.' "'A million dollars,' said Joey. "'Gracie admitted. "'The way he said it about not going near his house. "'I forget how it went, but something like—' "'She could not remember. "'Paul quoted, "'Too near. "'You'll come to my house sometime and—' "'Is that what you mean?' "'That's it,' Gracie corroborated. "'Ah!' Oh, George began, but Henny cut in on him. That's what he said, all right. Do you suppose George, looking about at them, decided to get on this bandwagon and speculated? Maybe he could have something, though it couldn't be much. Maybe not more than five thousand dollars, said Gracie. You think maybe Paul asked ten thousand dollars? How about fifty thousand dollars? asked Henny, a million joey stated flatly a million joey george informed him you just shut up the musketeers did not see mr wesley during the following five days they met daily at their clubhouse spending most of their time there for they felt they had to protect it they were afraid he might come out in the night and knock it down as he had tried to do but each morning it was still there standing without damage they watched the ancient house for some sign of life but there was none they had a feeling of disappointment that the old man did not pay them another visit so they could have some more excitement over his wanting them to tear down their clubhouse and leave the lot next door to his house THE HOUSE STOOD SILENT WITHOUT MOVEMENT OR NOISE. THE CLOSED WINDOWS, SOME WITH TATTERED LACE DRAPES BEHIND THEM, SHOWED NO EVIDENCE OF HIM. THE windows SO DIFFERENT FROM THOSE OF THE NEW HOUSES IN BUCKINGHAM HILLS. A LITTLE MORE WHITE PAINT FLECKED OFF AND FELL TO THE GROUND. THE WIND SIGHED AROUND THE OLD-FASHIONED eaves OF THE HOUSE, WHIPPING TREE BRANCHES. NOTHING ELSE HAPPENED. On the afternoon of the fifth day, the children began to wonder. George asked, Do you suppose he's left, I mean gone somewhere for a visit? We've been here all day, every day, Henny pointed out, and we haven't seen him. He could have left in the night, Joey proposed. He's too old, said Gracie. She offered no logic for her remark, but it seemed sound to them. Do you suppose... "'asked George. "'Something's happened to him?' "'Like what?' said Henny. "'Like his dying or something,' "'George elucidated. "'Maybe he's only sick,' Paul said. "'They thought that over. "'Compassion for the old man, "'no matter what he had tried to do to them, "'began to flow through them. "'If he's sick,' said Paul, "'somebody ought to do something about it.' "'Us, you mean?' asked Henny. "'Somebody,' Paul replied. "'You mean tell our mothers?' asked Joey. "'They considered that. "'The point was brought up that their people didn't know much about their clubhouse, "'and telling them about the old man, bringing them to the scene, "'might interfere in some way with this. "'The consensus of opinion was that it did not constitute good policy, "'and that they should keep it to themselves. "'Then we got to do something,' Gracie decided. "'What?' George asked. We'd better go in and see if he's all right. Henny asked, You mean go in his house? Paul pointed out, We promised not to go near it. This is different, said Joey. We'd better do it, Gracie said. Yeah, George agreed, but supposing there's nothing the matter with him, supposing he's all right, then we've broken our word and he'll tell Mr. McGill about it. "'then maybe we'll have to tear down our clubhouse.' "'They shrank from this prospect. "'But something's got to be done,' said Henny. "'Then how about telling Mr. McGill?' asked Joey. "'I guess we'll have to,' said George. "'Except what time is it? "'Paul, who had a wristwatch, looked at it and reported "'that it wasn't quite three o'clock, "'and Mr. McGill doesn't come around until about four, "'sometimes later.' "'We could wait,' proposed Gracie.' but suppose he's in there sick and needs to be taken care of right away. If we wait, then maybe he'll die, George announced in a tone of leadership. Something's got to be done right away, all right. But I'm not sure I want to go in his house. I'll tell you what, Paul said. We'll go over and stand outside, not too near, and call out. Then, if he's all right, that won't be so bad, and we can say why we did it. That appeared to be a good plan, and they acted on it at once. Led by George, who resolutely strode ahead of them, they marched across the vacant lot to the overgrown property of the old man and reached the front of his house. They stood there in a group, as though to gather courage in his in this way, about ten yards from the rotting steps. George cleared his throat and called, "'Mr. Wesley!' They waited, somewhat fearfully, but there was no answer from the house. George called again. "'Mr. Wesley!' Nothing happened. "'Don't forget, he's deaf,' Henny reminded. "'Maybe he'll hear me,' said Gracie. She called in her higher-pitched voice. "'Mr. Wesley! Mr. Wesley!' Still, there was no reply. "'Maybe if we all called together,' Paul proposed." george held up a hand for a signal and in a chorus they called the old man's name they called it repeatedly and kept calling but no one appeared or replied they stood there wondering about this lack of result do you think he's in the back asked joey even there george said he'd hear us something's the matter paul decided gracie made a greater decision we got to go in Henny cautioned. "'Maybe we ought to wait for—' Gracie turned on him. "'Like before, suppose he's sick, and we don't go in, and waiting makes him worse, and he dies. Then how'd we feel?' "'We'd better go in,' said Paul. George looked at the house. "'We'll go, but not from the front. If we go from here, somebody might see us, and that wouldn't be so good. That is, if nothing's the matter.' This was recognized as being good leadership— which called for more. Then what do we do? asked Henny. George explained. I saw a basement window flapped open where we came over. We'll go in there. He allowed no question about acting on his suggestion, but immediately led the way around to the side of the house. Joey wanted to know. Do we all go? if you're afraid, George told him, you don't have to. I'm not afraid. Then come on. George stopped, then kneeled in front of the window. Its oblong, narrow frame hung loosely open, swung inside. "'You hold it,' he instructed Henny, while I go first. Paul helped Henny hold the window open, pushed inside, while George crawled through. He disappeared, evidently having dropped to the basement floor. There was a moment during which he couldn't be seen or heard. Fearsomely, Henny called. "'Hey, George, you all right?' George's face appeared at the window. He said, "'It's a good drop to the floor. I found a box to step on. You come next, Paul, then Henny, and then Gracie, and after her, Joey.' They negotiated the window into the basement of the old man's house, helping each other, dropping down to the dusty box George had placed beneath it, and then to the dirt floor.' EVERYTHING WAS COVERED WITH DUST. NONE OF THEM HAD EVER SEEN AN EARTH FLOOR BEFORE IN THEIR LIVES. THEIR HOUSES HAD CONCRETE BASEMENT FLOORS. THIS ONE WAS PLAIN DIRT. IN PLACES IT WAS TAMPED SMOOTH, IN OTHERS IT APPEARED TO BE SCUFFED. THEY STARED AT IT. THEN THEIR GAZE WENT TO THE OPEN DOOR, WENT TO THE OPEN WOODEN STAIRWAY LEADING TO THE FIRST FLOOR. "'At the top was a door. "'A single unspoken thought went through all their minds. "'Was the door locked? "'The steps weren't quite as dusty as everything else in the basement, "'such as the old-fashioned coal furnace "'with its hot air ducts covered with thick layers of dirt. "'Dust also lay plentifully on benches and shelves "'containing glass preserves, several of which had exploded. "'George, as the leader, again led the way. He put his weight on the first step, and it creaked. He hesitated, then began to mount with the others behind him. They reached the top and the door. Gingerly, George put out his hand. He worked the latch and pushed. The door was not locked, but its hinges rasped when he opened it. It was like a scary TV program, and the musketeers, well conditioned to the effect, shivered. George pushed the door all the way back. They went on up and stood in the rear hall of the house. End of Segment 3